Morning everybody. It's really nice to be here uh, today. I, I often feel we have a, a link with Lim. We keep supplying you with ministers. <laughs> uh, I hope you'll be able to understand me this morning. It's taken the people at Hazel Grove 20 years to kind of finally tune into uh, my accent. Uh, some years ago I went to America uh, just to work with a church for some months and I went into the bank one day and um, in my usual Glasgow accent, I said, excuse me, have you got the date? And there was a very attractive tailor sitting behind the desk, and she looked at me, thought for a bit, and said, tonight? <laughs> and, and I had to try and weave my way out of that one. So it's really good. Oh, I love stories. I love stories. Thought I'd share one with you this morning. Catholic priest, Baptist preacher, and a rabbi served as chaplains to the students in the Midwest. The three friends would get together several times a week for a coffee. One day someone commented that preaching to people isn't that hard. The real challenge would be to preach to a bear. So they decided to do an experiment. They would venture into the woods. They would find a bear. They would preach it to it and attempt to convert it. And seven days later they gathered again to discuss their experience. <clears throat> Father Flannery, who had his arm in a sling, was on crutches and had bandages on his face, went first. Well, he said, I went into the woods to find a bear, and when I found him, I began to read to him from the catechism. The bear wanted nothing to do with me and really began to push me around. So I grabbed my holy water and I baptized him, and he became as gentle as a lamb. The bishop was coming next week to give him first communion and to confirm him. <clears throat> Reverend Smith spoke next. He was in a wheelchair. <laughs> he had one arm both legs and casts. Well, brothers, I went out and found a bear as well. Then as I began to read to him from God's holy word, but the bear wanted nothing to do with me. So I took hold of him and we began to wrestle. We wrestled down, up, down one hill, up another, until we came to a creek. So I quickly dunked him and baptized his heavenly soul. And just like you said, Father, he became as gentle as a lamb. We spent the rest of the day praising Jesus. The priest and the preacher both looked at Rabbi Stein who was on a stretcher. <laughs> he was in a full body cast. The rabbi looked up and said, looking back on it, circumcision may not have been the best way to start. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> uh, you have to be careful how you approach things sometimes. <clears throat> Some years ago, uh, I, I have a friend who used to work at Manchester Airport in quite a, a kind of senior position. And some years ago, before 9-11, uh, we all decided to go uh, on holiday to that uh, really spiritual, um, holy place called Benidorm. And, and uh, when we got to, to the aircraft, um, I'd been sitting on the aircraft maybe for an hour when uh, the air stewardess came down. And uh, she said, you know, Andy's arranged for you to come up into the, the cockpit. And um, they actually allowed me to sit there until we docked uh, at, at the stand. It was just the most amazing experience. Uh, and I felt as if I'd had my holiday um, all, all in one go. But it was quite interesting just looking at some of the instruments um, that they had. They, they had what, what is called um, something called an attitude indicator. I didn't really know anything about planes. And I was really surprised to find this out. But they have something that measures... The attitude, and, and in flying, the attitude of the aircraft uh, is, is the position of the aircraft in relationship to the horizon. So when the plane is climbing, it has a nose-high attitude because 
of the is above the horizon. And in contrast, when the plane is diving, you call it the nose down attitude. And, and pilots are often are really concerned about the aircraft's attitude because attitude dictates performance. And, and since the performance of the aircraft depends on its attitude, it's always necessary to change the attitude in order to change the performance. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about attitude. One of the most important things I've found in Christian life uh, is how important attitude actually is. Uh, your attitude should be, Paul says. That, that's really what I want to focus on this morning. I want to look at three areas this morning when it comes to attitude. Uh, first of all, I, I want to clearly just underline the importance of attitude. Of, of all things in our lives, I guess our attitude is one of the key things and one of the most important things. That's why Paul mentions it here in Philippians 2. An attitude is key for a number of different reasons. It's key because it's the one thing that you can control. It's the one vital thing in your life that you are lord over. One of the really frustrating things I find in life is when you face situations that you can't control. That's quite a scary place to be and it's quite an uncomfortable place to be almost daily. You and I have to face situations or circumstances or even people over which we have no control and that can be frustrating and difficult. Do you ever let your wife drive you? It's a scary place to be. <laughs> Did you ever sit next to someone driving and you're pressing the brake? Like, there's no brake there, but you're, you're going through the floor because it's just this terrible sense of, I'm not, I'm just not in control. Well, the one area we do have control over is the whole area of our attitudes. Chuck Swindle once wrote, the longer I live, the more I realize the impact of attitude on life. Attitude to me is more important than facts. It's more important than the past, than education, than money, than circumstances, than failures, than successes, than what people think, say, or do. It'll make or break a company, a church, a home. The remarkable thing is that we have the choice every day regarding the attitude that we embrace for that day. We can't change our past, nor can we change the fact that people will act in a certain way. We also can't change the inevitable. The only thing we can do is play the one string we have, and that's our attitude. I'm convinced that life is 10% about what happens to me, and 90% about how I react to it, and so it is with you. We're in charge of our attitudes. That's how important it is. That's challenging stuff, isn't it? Well, for two of you, it's challenging stuff. That's quite interesting. <laughs> we, we, we can choose the attitudes that we have right now. And that's a continuous choice that we have to make. I don't know about you, but far too often in life, it's easy to blame others. It's easy to see others as having the problem. We get swamped by circumstances. We react to it all the time. And, and yet the one thing God asks us to take responsibility for is our attitude and the way in which we react to things. Your attitude should be the same as Christ Jesus. Paul's not setting us up here for something we can't achieve. He seems to suggest that the attitude of Christ is actually possible. It's down to us harnessing it and taking control of it. Uh, there's a man called Viktor Frankl, a, a Jewish man who uh, spent a number of years in Auschwitz concentration camp. He's, he's written a really interesting book called Man's Search for Meaning, the first part of it. Is about his experience. The second part of it is about his theory that arose out of experience, but his experience is very, very uh, humbling to read. Uh, when you read some of the awful things that happened in the concentration camps and how he lost his wife and all the rest of it, 
Yeah, Viktor Frankl once wrote, the last of human freedoms is to choose one's attitude given any set of circumstances. And, and maybe there's some of us here and you look at your life and you think, God, it's all out of control. Maybe some of us are here and circumstances have overtaken us. Things have happened or are happening. We've got no control over them. Yet God this morning just wants to remind you of the control that he's given you because you can choose your attitude in that place. That's why not only is it the one vital thing that you control, it's also the one vital power that you can engage. When we harness our attitude, when we take responsibility for it, that becomes a power. In other words, what what we're saying here is that it's not what happens to me that matters, it's what happens in me. It's not what happens to me, it's what happens actually in me. Hugh Downs once wrote, a happy person is not a person with a certain set of circumstances, but a, a person with a certain set of attitudes. God chooses what we go through and we choose how we go through it. And very often it's our attitude which will determine whether we succeed or not. When asked what the most important quality they looked for when it came to employing someone, many of the top companies said, not gifting, not abilities, but attitude. I've met some really gifted people in the Christian life. I've met some really gifted, talented, but also obnoxious people in the Christian life. You know, look at all these gifts you've got. You just, you just annoy everybody. Your attitude's really, really bad. My biggest problem when I actually played football, believe it or not, I used to play football. Um, when I played football, it was not my ability, it was my attitude. I uh, started out with a small club called Glasgow Rangers in Scotland. And um, ended up playing for the Scottish under-18s. But every time I pulled the jersey on, I kept thinking, what are they doing picking me? How can they think I'm any good enough for this kind of level of football? And I had guys who, who maybe didn't have the ability that I had, but they had a different attitude. They had a really positive and outgoing attitude, and it took them a long way, much further than I ever got. I've worked hard at trying to change my attitude because I'm a natural pessimist. So I'm a Liverpool supporter, so I just think we're going to get beat this afternoon. I just think we're going to get beat this afternoon. Anything above that's a bonus. Do you ever do that? Look in the negative and just think, anything beyond that's a bonus. I've had to work hard to try to change that attitude. God wants us to succeed in life. God wants the key to be our attitude. That's why Paul spoke about it. Our attitude can determine whether we succeed or not. It also determines whether people want to be with us or not. If you're in the company of people that are negative, cynical, critical, constantly talk about themselves, it's hardly likely to attract you to them. Now, you probably don't do this in Lynn, but there are some times in my life when I see a person coming, I just think, oh, no. (laughs) And I just think, I can't bear to ask them how they are. Do you know what I mean? It's not the kind of people that you just gravitate to and think, you're really good. You just think, do you know what? I'm, I'm going to feel suicidal after being with this person. <laughs> Nobody in Hazel Grove's like that at all. Um, but, but, you know, they don't, you don't warn people to you if you're that kind of negative, cynical type of attitude. The ad- attitudes that we adopt have the power to attract people to us rather than pushing people away from us. People were attracted to Jesus. People flocked to Jesus because his attitude was so radical, so different from the rest of the Pharisees. Look at this man's attitude towards the sinner, towards the tax collector. Well, forget about your ability this morning. Forget about how much money you have or don't have. Forget about how good or bad 
your circumstances are at the moment? What's your attitude like? Do you realize that you can control it? This new year, would you say to the Lord, you know, Lord, come and see how important my, show me how important my attitude is. So you've got the neighbors from hell living next to you. Goliath's your boss. What's your attitude going to be? You find yourself in a place that you wouldn't have chosen. Circumstances you wouldn't have chosen for yourself. But what's your attitude going to be in that place? Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. It's your choice. It's your control. It's your power. The importance of attitude. What I also want to do this morning is underline the nature of, of this attitude. Well, it's quite simple, isn't it? Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. And that's where the challenge begins. There are many different things that you could bring out about the attitude of Jesus. Let me just mention two things. First of all, it's centered on others. That's why Paul says, each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. This is attitude. Jesus made himself nothing. Why? Because he was thinking about others. He yielded up his life. Why? Because he had in mind others. Our attitude should be that we try and enter into other people's worlds. That's what Jesus did. That's what God did. Entered into our world, our circumstances, our situation. He came to understand the world that we live in. I think it was Paul Scanlon who once said, you'll never reach the people whose world you're not prepared to enter. You will never reach the people whose world you're not prepared to enter. That's attitude. That's about entering into other people's situation. Our attitude towards those around us should be that we try and understand where they're coming from. We try and come to terms with the world that they live in. Very often the temptation for you and I is to see that our life revolves around us and we only see things from this little bubble of our own world. There's once a man whose car was in collision with another man's. He angrily got out and shouted, why don't you people watch where you're driving? You're the fourth car I've hit this day. (laughs) (laughs) So it's a bit like that. Do we have the attitude that wants to try and understand where people are coming from? Or do we just dive in and criticize because we only think about our point of view? Jesus was just popular because he just seemed to understand where people were coming from. Enters into their worlds. Puts himself in their shoes. We need to cultivate that kind of attitude. Our attitude should also be such that we serve other people's world, not just to enter it, but serve it. Verse 7, but making himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. He didn't just enter into our world. He entered into our world to serve us. That's pretty mind-blowing, is it not? That should be our attitude, that God should come and serve you and me. The whole bit about washing the feet and all the rest of it. No, no, you'll never do that to me, Jesus. Well, you have to, because this is why I've come. This is the whole purpose of my life and ministry. The good Samaritan who takes a risk that the others won't take gets involved in serving the poor man who's been beaten up. Jesus blessed people not just because he understood them, but also because he served them and he helped them. They came because he'd healed people, he ministered to them. Wanted to help them. It was his attitude, and his attitude determined his action. You know, some things in our our life are often very difficult and hard. So things in your life, you would want to be different. Circumstances are not what you would want, or you would have chosen. 
Well, I want to say you can still adopt a good attitude. You can still enter into other people's world. You can still serve other people. You don't have to be a victim of the past. You don't even have to be a victim of the present. You can have a different attitude. So many people walk about with a victim spirit. Oh, poor me, you don't know what's happened to me in my life. Yeah, I understand that. But you have the choice and power to change all of that in your future. And so Jesus' attitude is centered on others. Not just centered on others, but it's also submitted to the Father. He became obedient to death, even death on a cross. He wasn't just centered on others, he was submitted to the Father. That meant living by faith. That meant that Jesus' life was lived positively, even although what was happening around him at times was negative. Our faith in God means we can adopt a positive attitude. Attitude that's submitted to the Father. The classic is the spies. You remember the spies in Numbers? You know, ten were bad, two were good, the old song. You know, they, they spread among the people a bad report. Oh, you might see them, they're huge, it's terrible. Forgot all about what God had actually said and that what they had to do was move on in faith. And Jesus was so constantly trying to say and do the positive in people's lives. The one people he had problems with were the religious people. They were the negative lot. Our faith in God means we can adopt a good attitude despite the things that are happening around us. That means we can choose to see the possibilities, not the problems. They've been out fishing all night. Ah, we've had it. Jesus says, have another go. No, no, you don't know what it's like. We're fishermen. We've been out all night. No, 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 no. Have another go. Be positive. So they found the catch. We can choose to see the possibilities, not the problems. We can choose to see the potential, not the reality. Look at Peter running away, doing all kinds of things that are wrong. <laughs> Jesus says, you know, this guy's got amazing potential. On this rock, I will build my church. We can choose to see the future, not the past. Zacchaeus, man who had done people, man who had frustrated people, hurt people, extortionated people. Yet Jesus said to him, you've got a future, mate. You can change. Faith is given to us so we can approach life with a different attitude. Faith is given to us so we can approach life with an attitude of faith. It's all too easy for us to adopt a negative outlook, but negativism doesn't allow for faith. Wants to blame rather than build. Wants to dwell in the past rather than the future. A negative attitude in the body of Christ is like cancer. It creates stress. It's contagious. I often think it's quite funny that the Lord thinks we're like sheep. You know, what's it like to be compared to a sheep? You know, I, I, just, I once took my dog out walking in the country and she got off the lead. You should have seen the sheep. They scattered everywhere. Or what happens is you see them in the field and like one goes, what was that? And they all go, what was that? What was that? It's, it's like that negativism. What, what, what's going on here? It limits our potential. Someone has written, what we accomplish in life is based less than what we want and more on how much we want it. Do we want the attitude that Jesus demonstrated? An attitude centered on others and submitted to God, understanding, serving, looking at possibilities, potential and future and the knowledge that God is for us and with us. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Well, that's the challenge of God to all of us this morning. How much of your life right now is filled with the negative? All you see is yourself and your own little world. 
When you look at others, you spend so much of your time being negative or critical or thinking of the past rather than the future or thinking, I wish my lot was different. And maybe this morning, the spirit of the risen Christ needs to come and touch us again. Bring our attitudes in line with him. The nature of our attitudes, the importance of it. Finally, let me just underline the rehab of it. You see, we don't get it right all the time. But Paul says, uh, but if Paul says our attitude should be the same as Christ Jesus, that means that we have the power to do something about it. And the really important thing here is, he says, that your attitude, your attitude. In my experience of life in ministry, all too often we wait around hanging about for other people to change their attitude. People at work, people in our marriage situation, we sit around waiting for the change in the other person. You know, I, I hate those dreaded words of a couple about to get married where she says, no, it's all right, I'll change him. Or he says, oh, it's okay, I'll change her. <laughs> You're in for a shock. <laughs> we wait around for others to make the change. Well, if that's the case, you'll wait a long time. Paul says it's not about their attitude. It's about your attitude. Change can't from others, can't come from others. It needs to come from us. And so I just want to say two things. One, we need to identify and repent of wrong attitudes. We need to take full responsibility for attitudes that are not part of Christ. Negative feelings, negative thinking, negative behavior. Get rid of the lot of it. Attitudes that are built around self are negative and critical and cynical need to be dealt with through repentance, changing our mind, how we think about it. And then obviously we need to resolve to choose the attitude of Jesus. That's true whether we feel like it or not. It's true whether life is good or not. It's true whether we want to or not. We need to be intentional about our attitudes. If we don't, nothing will change. If we don't, we'll continue to blame rather than build. We'll continue to talk more about the past than moving into the future. We've just celebrated Christmas. Christmas actually speaks of a different attitude, of a God who entered in our world to serve our needs. It speaks of a Savior who focused on understanding us, serving us, and by faith looking forward through the agony, through the pain, through the suffering, to what is a glorious future. And that attitude is demonstrated again here in bread and wine that we're coming to. God comes to us and says, I'm not really interested in how gifted you are this morning. I'm not really interested in what qualifications you've got or how much money you've got or how much you've accomplished in your life. I'm interested in your attitude. Does it encourage? Does it build? Is it focused on what could be? The most important thing at the start of this year is your attitude. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Is it? Is it? If not, would you choose it this morning? For Jesus' sake. Amen. Let's stand and we'll pray together.
Lord, I want to thank you for uh, this table this morning that reminds us of your attitude towards us. That you were willing to give everything for us. I want to thank you that also because of that, because of your Holy Spirit, our lives can change. And so we bring to you this morning our attitudes. Lord, we confess that there are times when we've been negative, times when we've looked only at ourselves, times when we've been impatient with ourselves and with others. And we're just asking you by your Holy Spirit this morning to come and change our hearts. Change my heart, O God, make it ever true. Change my heart, O God, may it be like you. Lord, we thank you for the possibility of just uh, beginning afresh with you. So come and help us to do that this morning for Jesus' sake. Amen.